Today's show is sponsored by ObservePoint. That moment when executives, peers, competitors are questioning the data analysts and scientists' reports, their job and credibility are in question. ObservePoint gives data professionals confidence in their data and insights by automatically auditing your data collection for errors across the entire website, testing your most important pages and user paths for functionality and accurate data collection, alerting you immediately when something goes wrong, tracking your data quality and QA process over time. You can request a demo at www.observepoint.com forward slash analytics today to learn more about ObservePoint's full data governance capability. Again, that website is www.observepoint.com forward slash analytics today. Thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Roberts, and with me always is Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? Jeremy, we're almost in the Halloween season, man. Time's flying. You know, I bought my costume. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it still matter when you're, I guess, middle age? Is it still cool to dress no, up man. in a costume? It's I not- don't talk about age when it comes to fun. Well, yeah. <laughs> There you go. Well, the thing is, speaking of fun, um, we actually have another guest here today, and this is going to be a fun one today. So what I'd like to do is introduce our guest for today. Uh, His name is Rob Clark, and he is the VP of product uh, for ObservePoint. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Doing well. Happy to be here. Fantastic. So let me let me uh, brag about you a little bit and do your intro. And then after you do that intro, we're going to go straight into it. And then we're just going to talk a little bit and stuff. Um, and if you want, uh, right after I do this, before I get into the first question, I would like for you to not catch you off guard. Um, we're going to have you do a little uh, uh, 30 second elevator pitch on ObservePoint. So um, you can kind of brag about the company. So Get, get the brain going and get ready. So, <laughs> so Rob is the VP of product at ObservePoint and is a passionate customer champion. So Rob believes that any experience should empower the customer with a design-centric and customer-first insight, insight-first approach. So Rob, he previously led product and end-to-end experience at Strela, and this was a company he co-founded, right? And so this is actually now part of the ObservePoint solution. So Samir and I are going to talk about that a little bit today because it's pretty cool stuff. So prior to Strella, uh, Rob was a product leader with the Adobe Experience Cloud, hmm, company I've heard of before. So really excited to have you on board as a fellow Adobe guy. And then before that, uh, consulted with 75 plus brands in the areas of marketing and experience, analytics, attribution, and personalization. We are excited to nerd out with Mr. Rob Clark. So welcome to the show officially. Um, let's start off. If you could just give your introduction, name, role, you know, do the cadence. Tell us about ObservePoint for our new listeners. Yeah, it sounds great. So again, Rob Clark, VP of product at ObservePoint. And uh, a little bit about ObservePoint. So uh, the, the quick description of what ObservePoint does is digital experience governance. Digital experiences have become increasingly complex 
more and more technologies required to deliver the world-class experiences that we're all looking to deliver. And um, the governance behind those digital experiences, the data that's captured in those digital experiences, ensuring they're great digital experiences, um, that governance is what ObservePoint is all about. So whether that's auditing, uh, scanning your website page by page and looking for slow loading pages, broken pages, pages that are missing your analytics tags or other uh, MarTech tags, um, and a whole host of, of other things, such as auditing your privacy implementation, things like that. Um, think of ObservePoint as the governance that overlays on top of your digital experience. Like that. Uh, and, it, and it goes beyond that as well into campaign tracking governance um, and, and really the end-to-end -end digital experience. I like that. So here's my Adobe plug here is that um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a increasingly digital world where digital transformation is pushing more the idea that customer experience drives, you know, the purchase process, because at the end of the day, people buy experiences, not products. Right. Perfect. So it's just one of those things, but let's start with question. Number one, um, let's talk about where your career, where you started, and where you got to now and share some things about that journey. But when you talk about that journey, we always like to ask this question. Like, what was that first job that you have? Did you really like stacking boxes in a warehouse where you, um, you know, digging trenches and all that stuff, you know, slinging mud at a farm or something exciting like that. And then this is a, this is a multi-part question. So you got, you got to take notes here. So start where you got to hardest, most difficult first job you had, but then influencers. So when you went through your career, did you have anybody that was extremely influential on getting you to go from that crazy job, like working at the Gap or something, now getting into tech? Or did you have such a terrible manager that it scared you? You said, yeah, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm going to completely change careers. You know, like I wanted to be a ballerina and now I want to be a, a tech guy kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Love it. Let's talk about it. Okay. So my very first job, uh, this was before I got into tech. Uh, I, I grew up in middle school and in high school, I climbed on a, uh, a youth national climbing team. So we were a sponsored team. We had coaches and trainers. Like rock climbing? A rock climbing team. Nice. So I competed in indoor climbing and spent a ton of my time at that gym. I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's this cool. is a shout out to all you rock quest climbers. <laughs> I'm sure there, there's no one on this podcast that, uh, that resonates with that, but that was the gym. And uh, my very first job was actually belaying for birthday parties at a rock climbing gym. And I knew that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So that was my on very belay. first job. It's like on belay, is that belay on? And it, it, there's like a terminology to say that. There's a whole, yeah, the whole cadence, but I was like, I have the rope, you have the rope. Yeah, yeah. That's right, climb, climb on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that was my first job, taking care of little kids at birthday parties at the climbing gym. Um, cool, very but cool. But my first real job in tech. So uh, I joined a company called Tom Peters Company. Okay. Um, Tom Peters was a leadership guru, uh, very well known in the 80s and the 90s, not so much today. Um, still, he's still very relevant. He says, uh, puts some, some great thought leadership out there, but this was the consulting arm of Tom Peters' uh, thinking, leadership thinking. And mm -hmm. um, I joined as an inside sales rep, and I was terrible at it. 
Hmm. Uh, I burned through multiple lead lists that my boss had given me and wasn't producing much. And I felt it. I felt bad. So I went into my boss's office a few weeks in and I said, look, you need to fire me. This is not working out. I'm not delivering what you, what you're paying me to do. But before you fire me, uh, take a look at your CRM system. Here are a handful of things that you need to fix because the CRM system is not set up the right way. And, um, and he's, he looked at me, he's like, how'd you, where, where'd those recommendations come from? And I was like, well, I read a little bit, I figured it out. Uh, some of it's intuition, it's set up wrong. And I know you own it. So this is what I would do if I were you. And he was like, okay, cool, new job. You're no longer inside sales. You now manage uh, our CRM system. And he said, he said, spend the next two months doing everything you can to learn salesforce.com. That was the CRM system. And, um, and you're our new salesforce.com manager. So you talk okay. about, uh, Jeremy, you talk about influential managers mm-hmm. that, uh, that changed the course of my career. Yep. Uh, Jeff Thatcher at the Tom Peters company uh, back in the early 2000s was one of those managers for me. And I've had a few, but he was the first one who, who gave me a real shot. He saw some, some aptitude and, um, and fostered it. And that, that change up in my career uh, was a thing of beauty because that got me into SaaS. That helped me understand how to um, not only implement and set up according to a company strategy um, technology, but also it got me into analytics. Uh, Salesforce had dashboarding capabilities and I was building dashboards for the company. And that got me into analytics so that when I started to see Google Analytics and um, digital advertising and those types of things come around, I jumped onto that because I already had a little bit of that background and I was really interested in the new uh, digital experience and digital analytics wave. So that's the first part of my career. Uh, And I'm just going to keep going. If uh, no, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I love it. Love it. So that's, that's how I got into tech and, and, and fell in love with SaaS. Then uh, I became an independent consultant for salesforce.com dashboarding. And then as I got in and understood Google analytics and uh, website optimization, SEO optimization, I became an independent consultant for that. Hmm. So I did that for some time, did a few startups that uh, had mixed success, um, but ultimately all kind of, kind of came to a halt. Um, in 2007, 2008, uh, with the economic uh, downturn uh, in those years. And so that's when I jumped out of the startup game and into uh, a little bit more of a secure job at Omniture. Oh, I've heard and, of them. Okay. Uh, yeah, nice. Omniture was an amazing place when I joined. Uh, there was less than, I mean, I think there was six, 700 employees. So it was an established company, but it was growing uh, hand over fist and making a lot of waves in the market. So real, real fast, real fast, yeah. Rob, just to show a, a little plug for our, our buddy Samir here, just to embarrass him a little bit. Um, Samir was the I'm getting guy- Getting off the camera now. God, dude, too bad, <laughs> stay on. Sucks for you, Samir. Um, Samir was the guy who basically dominated the analytics game at Rackspace. So when I first started there, and I, I kind of knew a little bit, I was just you know, messing with a little bit, but I didn't have that acumen that Samir had. So when he came on board at Rackspace, when I was there, he destroyed it. He was the analytics omniture master and just became the, probably one of the most popular people there. Cause I was like, dude, tell me everything about the company, everything that's going on. And I remember back in the day, Samir was one of the guys invited to go speak at the conferences. So he was out there on stage speaking on behalf of Rackspace 
and Omniture and the successes. So I love it at the Omniture summits. Uh, was yes. that clear back in Salt Lake City when when you were when you were speaking? Yeah, I was in Salt Lake City. Yeah, uh, I probably may have crossed paths with you, Rob. Uh, you know, very your likely. face looks very very familiar. Likewise, it's it's very likely. Um, yeah, those those uh, those days of the Salt Lake City Omniture summits. One times. <laughs> yeah, and then after Adobe acquired them, and I came into Adobe via that acquisition. The summit stayed there in Salt Lake. Great times. And then now's moved to Las Vegas and is a behemoth of a show. Also good times, but a, a different vibe with that many people. So, so tell us more about Strala, right? So that's a big part about your journey. And you know, co you co-founded Strala, mm -hmm. a customer experience measurement yeah. platform, uh, a, a very successful platform, and now acquired by Observe Points. So tell us a little bit more. Like I definitely, uh, our listeners are very excited to hear about these types of stories that kind yeah. of- Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So- uh, to tee up my experience with co-founding Strala, um, just a little bit about my background. So got big into digital analytics, like I've mentioned, uh, and then came on as a consultant at Omniture and continued mm -hmm. uh, at Adobe and then into product management. And the whole time, I knew that there was um, a fundamental issue with the way that we do analytics uh, in, in our industry. And like that, that fundamental issue is that uh, if, you're, if you're tracking your website, you can keep that data relatively consistent. If you are tracking your email, you can keep that data consistent. If you are tracking any sort of data across your entire customer experience, end-to-end -end customer experience, online or offline data, within that specific system that you're using to deliver the experience, you can keep the data relatively consistent. The problem is when you try and bring all of that data together and unify all of that data. Mm -hmm. And I've been part of projects in, in my consulting past where companies or, or my customers were trying to unify a bunch of different data sources within uh, uh, Site Catalyst or Adobe Analytics within their web analytics. I've also been uh, part of projects where they were trying to do this in a, in a data lake and almost unequivocally, those projects failed to some degree or another, often uh, to a pretty significant degree. Data lakes became data swamps. Um, the web <laughs> analytics, when you tried to shove a bunch of data that didn't quite fit the schema of web analytics, mm -hmm. uh, and you tried to shove it all together, it just didn't quite work and function the way that it needed to. And really what ended up happening is you had a bunch of co-located data. So you had silos of data from all these individual uh, systems and not just five or 10 systems. I mean, we're talking tens, like 20, 30, 40, 50 systems or more that you're trying to bring all of this data together and they all have different schemas and different ways of, of combining that data um, and just trying to shoehorn it together after the fact doesn't work. It didn't work 10 years ago. It doesn't work today. Um, now, well, it kind of made it worse, right? With all the technological evolution and marketing and sales yeah. space, exactly. it kind of made it even it's worse. It's only become more complex and more difficult. Yeah. And so when you look at an analyst's job, a data engineer's job, a data scientist's job, so much of it has to do with, if you're trying to work with unified data, data across multiple silos or multiple systems of data, um, the, the vast majority of the job is just trying to get it together, get it cleaned, get it structured in a way where you can actually run the analysis on top of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, you think of uh, the, the 
the big trend around data science and machine learning and AI and all of that. And some of it's very buzzwordy and, and a little bit out ahead of its skis, but there's a lot of value in these trends and data. And um, most of the work to be able to do that type of machine learning or that uh, artificial intelligence application on top of data, most of the work, the lion's share is just structuring and cleaning the data, unifying the data, because it's such a mess, it's so hard to do. So that's the genesis, that's the, uh, that's the epiphany that led to Strala. Okay. And um, so I was at Adobe and, um, and ended up leaving Adobe and starting Strala. Um, it was a VC-backed company. Um, our lead investor was Lightspeed out of the Bay Area. Yep. Great investor, um, a great partner in that journey. And um, we began building a platform that the underlying perspective of that platform was to help companies standardize and structure their data before it even existed. So before it landed in the repository, in that specific silo, whatever system that it was landing in, before it landed there to bring structure to it. Yep. Um, and our, our hypothesis was that if you structure the data before it's captured in those silos, then once it's in those silos and you bring it all together, into a data lake or your data repository, it's already structured. It just zips right together. And you can have 40, 50, 60, 70, as many data sets as you want, but it's all, opera all operating off of the same key, the same metadata, uh, metadata standards. It's all the same. It's all defined the same. And it requires some work up front, but in our opinion, it's less work up front than it is to try and wrangle the data after the fact. Um, and much higher quality output. So and that's how the, does the Strala, because parts of what you're saying is, you know, there's obviously there's a big demand for CDP right now, or CDP is the buzzword, right? So how does a Strala data collection and unification compares to some of the CDP platforms? Yeah, so the way that we, we see it is it's an input into a CDP platform. So okay. um, the, the technology itself is built around standardizing uh, unique IDs, tracking codes and whatnot, piggybacking off of systems that already have them. Great. Unified profiles, basically, right? Um, well, there's unified profiles around tracking the individual. Mm -hmm. Think of the tracking that I'm talking about as unified tracking around the touch point itself. Okay. So are they interacting with a link within, within this email? Well, track that link uniquely and name that email uh, in a similar schema as any other campaign or any other marketing or not marketing, any other digital experience. So, so you're, the, you're not only building out uh, individual profiles for real-time personalization, but you're also building out segmentation groups based on activities, based on, let's say, certain interests or links or something like that. So you're, you're building multiple segments. So yeah, the, the, the underlying, so yeah, there's, there's a few core ingredients to, to world-class data and it's pretty, it's pretty simple. You have to track the who to some degree or another, which is becoming way more complex with the recent privacy regulations and browser changes and whatnot. You have to track the who you have to track what they are interacting with and you have to track when they interacted with it. And those three uh, pieces of data um, are, uh, it's easier said than done to track it. Tracking the identity is becoming increasingly complex. Yeah. Tracking the what they're interacting with, um, that's that second piece. That's really where the Strala technology comes to play. 
Okay. So we are defining the what people are interacting with in a unified way. We are not, we are not um, trying to take over unified ID or unified uh, uh, profiles, right? Profile tracking, like trying to, 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 we piggyback off of any system. That, that would be Adobe like an Analytics. Adobe. Yeah. That exactly. would be like an Adobe RTCDP or what they call it, Adobe Experience Platform or AEP. Yeah. Exactly. Right? We'll so piggyback you would then... off of that ID, whatever ID you're using to track the person, the who, we'll piggyback off of that. So then but, observe point but... would be an input layer, right? Observe point That's would right. be an input layer into Adobe's AEP. So now, exactly. So now you would have all of those profiles of, of the who is interacting with you. Mm-hmm. And then um, that what with the technology that I'm referring to, this the Strala technology, yeah. we call it touch points, uh, the touch points platform. And we are helping our customers define all of the touch points throughout a customer journey. So whether it's an ad in Google Ads or Bing, it's an yep. email interaction or it's an interaction on your website, an interaction in your mobile app, whatever it is, an interaction that's offline mm-hmm. at a trade show at a booth or whatever it is. All of those touch points are now uh, systematically governed within a single system. So back in the day, and not even back in the day, it's still now today, a very common way of doing this is within a, in a spreadsheet, in an Excel or Google spreadsheet, where you create your tracking uh, codes and your tracking lists. And, and there's lots of different ways of doing this. You can have a unique ID, you can have different uh, key value parameters um, that you're putting into the URL. Um, and that's the standard way of doing it today. The touch points platform brings all of that together and structures it so that we link into all of your systems with integrations. So if there's tracking already happening, we'll link into it. And then we bring it into a unified taxonomy of like metadata. That. I like so that, that because, all your touch yeah. points are defined exactly the same, regardless of the system, regardless of the different taxonomies in those different systems all your touch points are defined exactly the same. Yeah, because it sounds like to me, you're integrating either to like an Adobe Analytics that pushes out um, the capabilities of uh, 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 CJA, which is another acronym for Customer Journey Analytics, right? Um, which allows right. those multiple inputs, but you guys are helping to define the segmented groups or like, I keep on using that term, but you know the, the instances or the activities within specific pieces of... Uh, of marketing or campaigns and stuff, which is really exactly. Cool. And so that data will we we integrate with Adobe Analytics with Google Analytics, so we can push yeah. all of that metadata on top of the tracking codes into your web analytics or digital analytics customer journey analytics system. I have to admit, this is all cool shit. Um, yeah, this is like, I love it. They're like um, totally nerding out here, like getting excited about data inputs. It's like, yeah. welcome to the <laughs> Analytics Today podcast. We're such dorks here. I love it. Um, nice. So, let, so let's, yeah, go yeah, yeah. So I was going to say uh, along the similar lines, right? As uh, Rob, you were alluding to how the space of analytics and data and customer journey has been polluted uh, in the last 10 years, and that impacts the digital customer experience. And brands are striving really hard to deliver that experience, cut through the noise, and stand out. In your view, like in the last decade or so, uh, along your journey with Adobe and uh, Amateur Strala, how is thing? How are things change? How do you think the customer experience has evolved? And uh, you know, let's kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah, uh, two things. Two things come to mind. Um, two main things come to mind. There's an, a vastly increased expectation from consumers 
in having a great experience, a great digital experience and a great unified experience. So over the last 10 years, that customer centricity, the age of the customer as Forrester puts it, um, is a real trend and it drives so much of what we are trying to do as digital experience professionals today. Uh, that demand of the, the customer, the, the end consumer demanding a great experience. So over the last 10 years, that's, a, that's been a big shift, big demand there and just having great experiences. Uh, and then second, the complexity. The complexity to deliver those experiences has risen exponentially. Um, you look at the, the Chief Martech uh, visual from- Scott Brinker? Yeah, from circa 2010, and I'm pretty sure it's around- 150. 200. Yeah, was 150. A, it, I actually talked about the slide about two days ago with a, <laughs> in a webinar. Oh, I love it. It was 150 tools, it was 8,000. Yep, today is over 8,000. 8, and you, I mean, that right there just shows the, the exponential <laughs> complexity in our industry. And while we have way more technology today to deliver those great experiences, yeah. um, now actually coordinating across those technologies, unifying those technologies, both from an experience standpoint and a data standpoint, yep. that complexity is through the roof. And every organization on planet Earth is drowning in that complexity. Some are, um, are doing way better than others, but the moment you peek behind any company on planet Earth, their tech stack and how they're managing it, there are messes, there's chaos, there's all sorts of balls being dropped. It's just the state of, of uh, digital experience today. Yeah, uh, and whenever yeah, I go to a new organization, I hear the statement that, oh, we're different or we're experiencing this unique challenges that no one else is. But then I try, I hate to drop the ball and say, well, honestly, you're not any different. And majority of the companies are experiencing the same challenges that you are. Well, um, so don't think that you have to come up with a unique solution to this. They're market ready, standards, standardized <laughs> global solutions that can help you solve the problems and you know, observe point being one of them. Here's my yeah. observation with that. I'm going to take you back in time. And Samir and I have laughed about this in the past, been at the same conferences. So here's like a um, trivia question here. What was the buzz term back in the mid 2000s, right? Remember that term? Uh, remember, Samir, we were talking about this before. Yeah, the, what was the thing that everybody was touting back in the mid 2000s that everybody could do? Was it the term omnichannel? Was that the big buzzword, right? Yeah. You do omnichannel. Okay. So we're, you know where I'm getting. We're, you know where I'm getting. So the first one was social analytics. Right. That was the first thing that came out in like 2005 when Facebook came around. It was talking about social analytics. And then they realized. Yeah, I remember wait, Mark Benioff had that sales yeah, conference. He said, Mark this, Benioff, this is social. Oh, my God. I, I, you and I went to Mark uh, to, to. Yeah, Dreamforce. I remember we wrote a book at that conference. Yeah, we wrote an ebook. book yeah. Samir and I flew on the plane. And in two days, we wrote an ebook before we that. spoke at Dreamforce. Those are fun shows. Dream yeah. yeah but, shows but, exhausting, so was, but fun. It was like, yeah. So social analytics, that was a thing. And I remember listening to a guy named Jeremiah Oyang, right. And he was talking about hub and centric models. Right. And they, that, that spurred the, the, the next buzzword, which was omnichannel because people realized that, oh my God, tools actually have to talk to each other. What a concept. They can't be yeah. in silos. And it's all talking about you're going from silos to hub and spoke model where things are going together. Now, the next trivia question is after the buzzword of omnichannel, what was the big thing? And it starts with the letter A and it ends with the letter I. 
right? Obviously AI, a- AI right? <laughs> AI. <laughs> so remember that it went from omni-channel and then everybody was talking about artificial intelligence. I was just moving over to IBM at the time and Samir was already there, but we, I remember it was Watson. It was the big thing. And everybody yeah. was talking about their tool had artificial intelligence, but nobody knew what the hell it meant. It just said, we have AI. Yeah. We have machine learning, right? So then AI and machine learning in the late 2016, this is when, you know, a, a, even Adobe started to coin the phrase customer experience, right? Digital experiences, right? They actually yeah. coined it. And so when they came in and they did that, where do you see that going from there? So this is my futuristic, put on your futuristic hat. You can talk about pie in the sky, whatever the hell you want, because Samir and I love doing trends in the upcoming year. Where do you think it's going this year? Mm. Is it going to still stay in customer experience? Is it going to be a customer experience plus something? Is it going to be a flavor of customer experience? Or you think it's starting to trend into something really magical that we haven't heard of yet? In the Take next some- year, I think it. I think it stays customer experience. I think. Okay. Um, I think that's that's um, that's going to be an underpinning. Um, I think the customer experience focus is a little less of kind of flash in the pan type buzzwords. I think there's definitely some staying power with it. Um, another one, by the way, that I would add in, Jeremy, is uh, back in like 2010 arena. Can't wait. The, Love it. The buzzword of big data. Big Everyone. data was talking about <laughs> big data. And everyone was that. like, oh, take yeah. all of your data and shove it into a single place. It's big data. Like everyone was losing <laughs> their minds over big data. And then everyone did it. And they're like, it's a data swamp. We can't do anything yeah. with well, this. Well, Samir and I were sucks. at the MarTech conferences at the time. We used to go to the MarTech conference all the time with Scott Brinker. And it was big data was the trend. Everybody's like, big data. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was that was another oh one. Um, okay, so, think, so your question, what your, your answer was, customer experience is going to be the underlying, right? But yeah. there's going to be something about it. Yeah, so I think where I think where things go from here, um, and and this is in the next year as well as in in the coming years. I see this as a trend uh, taking us into the future. Mm-hmm. It stems from privacy. There's all this new regulation. Yeah. And there's all this, um, we were all having, uh, I'll speak for myself, but I would imagine all of us are having a terrible experience uh, surfing the interwebs right now with every single site we land on. Do you agree with these cookies? Do you accept them? Do you want to change it? It's like every time. It's annoying. It's so annoying. It's a terrible experience. Um, But that regulation, all the companies are doing it because there are regulations now in place. There are fines now being levied against companies. Um, in Europe, uh, in in the U.S., I think uh, we're we're progressing towards more of a like a culture where there's going to be fines coming uh, in a more regular way soon. It's happening all around the world, so that experience um, will evolve over time. But privacy and our focus on privacy and not tracking people anonymously without them knowing, I believe, is here to stay. Hmm. And I think anyone that continues, we those of us that have been in this industry for a long time, um, we've been used to being able to track whatever we want, whenever we want it. Like that's how the three of us grew up in this industry. Yeah. Um, and we tried to, to do it in responsible ways and not include PII and things like that. But we've been able to track whatever we wanted to track. That landscape is a paradigm shift right now. And, bec- and the reason that I'm, I'm bringing this paradigm shift up is I believe it will significantly impact the way that companies need to deliver their experiences as well as track 
their data around those experiences. So um, second and third party tracking is changing fundamentally. So if you're trying to track someone anonymously, um, there's regulations now around it and browsers, especially uh, Apple with Safari leading the way with ITP and all of the iterations um, from their original, original change of just shutting down third party tracking and making it way harder. There's all these changes happening. I believe that customer experience will continue to be a trend and a focus on that, but the way companies are going to have to meet these new privacy regulations and changing changes in the industry is focusing on first party experiences. So gaining the trust of your prospects earlier in the experience, creating a reason for, uh, for your prospects to interact with you in a meaningful way, in a known way where mm -hmm. they're willing to trade them being known for the value that you're providing. And that can mean a lot of different things across all of the different industries. And I won't dig into all of that, but I do believe that is a shift that we're gonna have to go through. Because if you don't, and you continue with the status quo from the last 10 years, mm -hmm. um, your data behind understanding your prospects and understanding that top of the funnel and how you drive them deeper funnel, uh, it's, it's disrupted. The way you can track that, it's disrupted. It's not going back. There might be some things you, we can kind of pull back from a, from a data tracking perspective, but um, this privacy trend, I think it's the right thing. Ultimately, we'll get there uh, in having it be a better experience for everyone. But I do think it's the right thing. And it will force brands that are focused on customer experience to rethink how they manage the experience top of funnel. I love yeah. it. Uh, that's yeah. actually one of the one of the questions that I was going to ask you with regards to like how does the how do the marketers and data analysts approach with this all user privacy issues that are surrounding all of us and kind of haunting us in many different ways. Some for good, some for just not so good. So uh, keeping that in mind, like I know you, we kind of we may have been touched on earlier, but I think it's an important topic, right? So if you think about it, one side we have this data collection and tagging in order to get the right type of data, high quality data. And on the other side, you have the touch points that the marketers and sales leaders would like to capture. So they understand the customer journey and they can have the proper attribution and they can deliver the relevant messages. How do you think we can combine these two types of data collection methods into one so we're not thinking in silos, like, you know, the auditors, the analytics people, they're not thinking, oh, I want high quality data. That's how I want to capture these points, touch points versus marketers thinking, oh, I want a better customer experience and journey and relevancy. So I want to do it differently. How do you think that both parties can come together and kind of operate in one, uh, one sphere instead of operating in two different worlds? Great question. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So uh, a few thoughts come to mind. One, it is what we are trying to solve at ObservePoint. So our technology, um, I think, has come a long way uh, over the last 10 years for speaking of ObservePoint technology from the beginning of ObservePoint uh, to today, especially with the acquisition of Strala. So um, there's the campaign tracking and the campaign codes and, um, and the broader umbrella around that is what, what I call touchpoint tracking. Um, and just making sure that you have all of those touch point, all of that touch point data. So whether you're a marketer, whether you're delivering some other type of digital experience or the broader online offline experience, um, making sure that all of that's being tracked the right way um, is critical. But it's not enough just to put a unique ID and define what that touch point is. 
Um, that's, it's not enough just to do that. Um, and to your point, uh, Samir, it is about auditing it and ensuring that it's there and it's present when the actual experience uh, occurs. And uh, we've all had that experience where we click on a link and then it redirects like 5,000 times and it's just redirect and redirect. And then when it finally loads, you get your experience, but the analytics have been stripped off. The, the, the tracking code, the, the metadata, the things that came along with that initial click have just been lost and they're gone forever. Um, and so auditing that experience is it, it's critical for marketers. And so that's where we've got two sides of our platform uh, at ObservePoint. We've got the campaign tracking, the touch points management side, and then we have the audit side. That audit side is the original technology from the original days of John Pistana founding this company. And, and so the way that we bring that together is for the marketers that are using touch points, we then bring in URL validation to make sure that you're gonna be sending traffic to a good link. Um, we bring in uh, tag validation so that you know that, that, that when that link is clicked, that it, the data that's there, the, the tracking codes will actually capture, actually be captured within your analytics because the analytics tag is present. Um, and then in addition to that, um, in the ObservePoint platform, you can set up rules to say, look for this parameter, look, look for this parameter in the URL and you know wh whatever it is, CID or XID or whatever your parameter is that indicates there is tracking that we need to capture. You can set up rules to say, hey, go through and, and audit these campaigns or audit my website. And, um, and you can audit to make sure that that tracking parameter is there. So it's, okay. it's kind of, uh, it's, it's all encompassing. If you're setting up a tracking code as a marketer, you're gonna wanna make sure that you're sending that uh, traffic to a solid URL. Mm -hmm. And some estimates uh, in the industry, there's five to 10% of URLs that are broken, that you are paying money, um, spending money to send marketing traffic to these broken experiences. We've all clicked yeah. on the, the URLs that go to 404 errors and whatnot, terrible experiences, five to 10%, meaning you look through any Google ads account and there's likely five to 10% of ads in that account that are sending traffic, active ads that are sending traffic to, to broken experiences. Oh yeah. So first and foremost, you gotta make sure you're sending to the right, to a, an actual functioning page. Then you gotta make sure your analytics tag is present. Then you gotta make sure that your analytics is actually gonna be capturing uh, looking for the right parameter and capturing that. And that's all what we do from a marketer perspective when you're creating the, the campaign ID, mm -hmm. auditing in, in real time, as well as after the fact to make sure that campaign is functioning the way that it should and you're getting the data uh, that, that you should. And then on the flip side, for those that are just more responsible for QAing websites and QAing in mm -hmm. general, um, or let's say you are the analytics QA, like you're going in and just ensuring that the analytics is right. You can also do that from that flip side where you're auditing everything across the website. It might not be specific to the campaign and ensuring that your tag is there, ensuring that the right uh, campaign parameters are there um, and that the analytics is, is set up to look for and capture uh, the, the campaign tracking uh, and the like. So those are, those are from the both perspective of the marketer as well yeah. as the person who's more responsible for the QA and auditing uh, the technology. That's so awesome. Let's say you got a company, right? Uh, of, so I, I put companies in categories, and I, I think I say this on every other podcast or something, but I put companies in three different categories. You have the 60, 30, 10. 
60% of the companies out there are below par, trying to keep their head above water, trying to understand how to create a true customer experience because they don't know, they haven't, they haven't done their digital transformation yet, right? They haven't adopted new technologies, uh, new tools, new processes, how to use data and everything. They're just kind of still in the dark ages and they're still trying to figure it out. Then yeah. there's that 30%, that middle sweet spot of companies who are peeking their head above water and say, ah, I'm trying little things and they're seeing hints and signs of success. They're seeing hints of opportunity to say, oh, I know something, but I can't do this myself. I have to go and talk to guys like ObservePoint, right? I go to go talk to guys out there to figure out how to do it because I see there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Then there's that 10%. They just get it. You'll never sell them on anything because they're just rock stars in their own, in their own way, right? Yeah. For that 60% and that 30%, what advice do you give to those marketers or even those people trying to say, my job, my, I, I have in my title, customer experience manager. My job is to create a true customer experience um, using my own products and services. How do they get started? What, what, what advice would you give them? And let's start with the 60% people and then go to the 30% people. Yeah. Um, my initial reaction to that is, if you're in that 60% and you're kind of just getting started, the most important thing is to have empathy for the customer, for the like user, that. for the prospect. Hmm. Um, we've all gone through experiences that uh, lead to broken experiences. We've all gone through experiences that um, you end up in this weird, like infinite loop of nothing where you're trying to accomplish something in, in a digital experience. And it's just, there's no way to get to it. And it's just this weird infinite loop. Um, and if someone would have just taken the time to go through it themselves at, at the organization, at the brand that owns that experience, to just go through it themselves, to experience it themselves. The moment you feel it, the moment you see it, you're like, well, this doesn't work. I got to fix it. Yeah. Um, and so as far as starting places, it's become familiar with the experience that you're actually delivering to your customer. If you're, if you're in charge of delivering ads, well, go and make sure that, that it's a good experience. Click through it on yourself. Make sure that the way that it functions and the way that it works is a good experience itself. Um, and I think starting there then gives you the breadth of experience to identify where experiences typically go wrong, where tracking, if your role is, is uh, a little bit more on the, the data side, where the, the tracking typically goes wrong. But go experience it yourself. Audit it yourself. Go, and there are ways to audit it manually. You don't have to have a, no, a system just, like ObservePoint to, to yeah. audit. You can you can pull up Chrome Dev Tools. You can look at the network requests. You can you can do manual spot checks with your eyes. You can use tools like Charles. Yep. Um, there there's there's a whole host of ways. There's the, the ObservePoint debugger. You can you can go and add uh, the the Chrome plugin uh, that ObservePoint has that uh, allows you to go through and check pages manually uh, one by one. Get familiar with that. Ensure that you're delivering an excellent experience, whatever your purview of that experience is, is whether it's data, the experience itself, um, have empathy for the, for the customers that you're, you're delivering experiences to. Um, and that, that advice goes all the way through even to the 10%. Typically that 10% is the ones that do have empathy. They have people that are in charge of that, that uh, ensuring that they have empathy for the customer experience that's being delivered. And those are the ones that are typically really good at it. Then once you see where all of those customer ex experiences are breaking, 
then it's just a matter of your maturity curve mm -hmm. of how, how many of those you have, what types of them you have and how you go and fix them, whether that's on the data perspective or the actual experience itself. Um, then it just depends on the role that you're in. So those are, that's the first thought that comes to mind. I like it. Okay. So let, let's, we're wrapping up here. We're going to do our final question that we always do. And we always ask, right? So you can take one or two routes. This is a choose your own adventure, Rob. Love so <laughs> one is you can go with the harder question of tell us something you haven't shared before in any other media channels or, or podcasts or something, something sneaky and fun. Right. Or the other thing is you can take a mentoring route and say, you know what, I'm going to give advice because we love to give advice to up and coming new marketers who are trying to break into this. What should be the advice be? So you want to give us a secret or the advice? What yeah, I'll go the advice route. Okay. Um, cool. and, and the reason is as we were going through and talking a little bit about uh, my background at the beginning uh, today, um, it, it brought to mind a few things. Jeremy, you asked an excellent question that I, no one's ever asked me before is who, who are the people that gave you your shot? Who are the people that influenced and changed your career? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's two things that I wanted to, to mention regarding uh, your career and managing your career. Mm -hmm. One, it's continue to look for those people that see and understand you. Mm -hmm. The ones that understand and naturally see your aptitude and, and want to help you develop within your aptitude. When you look for those people, the, the managers, the, the, the new teams you might be able to join, when you find those people, that it's pretty rare. Um, and it's not that, um, well, I'll just leave it at that. It's pretty rare. And yep. so be on the lookout for those individuals in your career and in your networks that see and understand you maybe a little bit better than the next mm -hmm. and can take your aptitude and help develop you. Because when I think about those uh, managers to the question you asked earlier, Jeremy, um, who impacted my career the most? It's the ones that saw the aptitude in me, even though I didn't necessarily have the experience, they, they saw the aptitude and then they bet on it. They nice. fostered it. They said, yes, I want more of that. Go for it, yeah. And you find that and you will progress in your career. If you're with a manager or in a, in a structure where you're, that's really not the case, you can still succeed, no question, but it's okay. probably gonna be a little bit harder or potentially a lot of it harder. So that's the first thing that came to mind, just thinking about career and that, that awesome question you asked, Jeremy. Yeah. And then the second piece of advice I would say is very related. It's also in order to do the first advice I gave, you have to understand yourself better. So your limitations, things, your capabilities and everything. Yeah, your yeah. aptitudes. Well, no, your weaknesses and strengths, yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you over the course of my career, I've realized I flourish in roles and opportunities that are more entrepreneurial where there's more chaos and complexity. And I have to try, to try to find the simplicity on the other side of that chaos and complexity. I love it. I flourish there. Um, others don't. And that's totally fine. The, the, the point of what I'm saying is the moment you figure out a little bit more about you and what your core aptitudes are, what you're better at than the general population, leverage that. Figure out what that is. So for me, entrepreneurial type efforts, even at Omniture and Adobe, I was always doing things that were a little bit more entrepreneurial, a little bit more explorative. Um, and I didn't realize it until a little bit later in my career that that was just an underlying thing. 
Um, so try to figure out what your aptitudes are and look for those that can also recognize that as well. And in my opinion, you do those two things and you will have an amazing career. It might not end up anything like you thought it would, but you will have an amazing, fulfilling career. Fantastic. Awesome. Love it. That's, that's incredible we, we, advice. We, Tony Rob. Robbins, the crap out of this thing, man. Love it. <laughs> that's awesome. Love it. That's yeah. great motivation. Yeah. So uh, Samir, you want to give us a last word and then we can wrap up? Well, no, this has been fantastic. I mean, I love uh, every single bit of this show. Uh, Rob Clark here with VP of product at uh, ObservePoint. And if anyone wants to know the details about Rob or ObservePoint, go to ObservePoint.com. And you can find a, a great lot of detail about what they're doing in, the, in this cool data integration and auditing space. It's, it's been fantastic. And, and like I said, uh, you know, Rob, thank you again. This has been great. It's been fantastic to be able to nerd out with you on this. And then the other thing is um, for our listeners, keep on sending us, you know, great guests, um, you know, guests to come on like with Rob and stuff like that. I mean, we, Samir and I, I don't think we've done our own show in a long time because we've had so many guests, great guests, come, yeah. great guests come on board. We're like shocked with the awesomeness of the number of guests and the quality of the guests. So keep it coming and check us out today in analytics today podcast, but Rob, this has been fantastic. Enjoy Halloween. Hope you dress up as something fun, get as much candy as your kids do because you got to show them you're still cool too.